debt. When you say that word, nobody gets very excited. When I think about spiritually, when we talk about debt, oh my goodness, how could you embrace that? We can't. But Christ cancels our sin debt. Anybody want to give glory to God for canceling our sin debt through this purchase of our salvation by the blood of Christ? Let's clap and give him a clap offering. Amen. Man, that's awesome, man. Debt paid. Well, this morning I'm going to talk about debt because we're walking through Proverbs. This is like the seventh week. Last weekend was parenting. I had several kids that would not speak to me this morning. Thank you very much. Here's the great thing. It means you had wisdom and you had application. You took all the things that I said from my heart last weekend. No, kids were speaking. They were fine. But I have already had one mom go, man, that message. I was working uh, in the nursery or with the kids last weekend. I listened on podcasts. It was just what I needed. <laughs> and uh, so, sorry, kids, but I don't apologize. It's God's framework. Or this morning, we're going to talk about debt. And all of us probably know something about debt. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you have debt, but I would think that most of you would. There might be a few that are like, no debt, no financial debt. And I'd go, man, that is incredible. And you had to really work hard to get to that point. But most people would go, I have amassed debt in my life that I am P-O-O-R. And that spells poor. And you know, you're like, man, I don't want it. So here's why I teach on this. I, I taught on this 10 years ago. I, I went back and said, man, when's the last time I taught on debt? And it was 10 years ago in, in a big way. And I thought, man, it's just, and a lot of you weren't here 10 years ago. And I need to be reminded of what I preached on last weekend myself. But the, the bottom line is we, we, uh, we earn, we uh, participate, we bring this debt on ourselves, And, uh, and there's all these, like the, the, the world media marketing they go, you blank it. And in that blank would be, you, you deserve it. You deserve it. And man, uh, you know, hamburger franchises and all kinds of things, they've made a billions of dollars telling us how much we deserve something. And I remember my mentor and my spiritual faith told me one time, I never will forget this, it was so clear. He goes, Keith, you deserve one thing. And I leaned in, I wanted to go, what? He goes, you deserve hell. I went, that's not very nice. He goes, but you forfeited hell by the blood of Jesus Christ and committing your life and abiding in him. And I went, man, that is good news. Is that good news, church? So that's what we deserve. But the world says, you deserve this. And I sometimes tell people, I go, man, you deserve that. Because they, they labor, they work so hard. And it's biblical to work and to work hard as unto the Lord, not to man. But the truth is, we don't deserve it, but man, we sure do receive it. We sure do get blessed. You know, I've always been amazed how marketers, especially in years past, they love to go after university students. When, when they are, and, and now, because of social media and all that, they go after high schoolers and probably middle schoolers for all I know. But the bottom line is, you, you can go to a college football game this fall, and you will see nice tents with financial institutions' names stamped on them, and they will have stuff like this. Come by and get a free T-shirt. Now, there's nothing free. If, 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 if you will give us all your information and all your worldly goods, and if you will sign up for our credit card at this interest rate, we will give you a T-shirt that will shrink in the first washing. Now, everybody raise your hand if you ever got one of those free T-shirts. Let's, hey, I want to show you mine. No, I didn't wear it. But I, I remember that. I mean, I mean you just, you know, the, the world knows how to market stuff. And you go, man, free T-shirt, free T-shirt. We're, we're even thinking about a T-shirt thing for this fall, but I don't want to give it away, so we'll talk about it later. 
But maturity, write this in your notes because I left you a lot of room just to write side notes. Maturity of a Christ follower is to postpone pleasure. It is delayed gratification. Maturity is to put off purchasing or buying that thing until you really can afford it. You're going, man, already, you already lost me, Pastor. Because I've talked, let me tell you, folks, as a pastor, I've talked to too many people and they go, man, debt has sunk me. Debt has taken me down. Debt has caused me to get a second and third job. Debt, debt, debt. It, it's, it's, it just consumes me. So my prayer is that some young people will hear this or somebody will listen on the internet and they'll go, man, I need that truth. Or some of you that are already in the middle of that maybe possible collapse, you're working your way out of it. Praise God. And some that don't even have uh, attention on it yet, and I pray maybe today they will. But there's all kind of advice from the Bible. Matter of fact, I think the very uh, a key verse, turn to Proverbs 22.7. If you have the scriptures, turn there. Proverbs 22.7. I love what this verse says. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Man, in other words, the, the borrower has a new master. He's come to serve notice that he is king, that he is in charge, and he is debt. And it's, it, it comes out in a, in a banking institution usually. But here's the good news. The good news is if you have discovered that you are in financial mess, collapse, destruction, poverty, whatever, you can work your way out. You really can. God teaches all kind of stuff. Matter of fact, I remember one statistic said that 70% of all Americans live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck with no margin in their life. And all we're trying to do is we've, we have practiced this principle as a leadership team from day one at Christ Community to create margin. I will gladly and sadly tell you that is what has carried us the last few years because of some challenges that we've had financially in our church. But we had created margin. Praise God for our leadership that saw that we needed to do that. I, I talk to families, and they have margin in their personal finances. And they hit a hard time, and hard times will come. How many of you know a hard time will come? Uh, it will. And if you created some margin, it will help you through that. The ultimate thing is you pray, 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 and you pray some more, and you trust God. But the good news is you can get out of that. The, uh, when I say the word debt, man, I just, man, a pit kind of gets in my stomach. And some people, man, they, go, they, they throw up. Here, here's some synonyms I think are good. Or they're not good, but they're truthful. Debt, oh, obligate, in deficit, insolvent, in over our head, penniless, empty, impoverished, stripped, reduced, broke. Have I put you in a spiritual funk already? I mean, you're going to walk ahead today and say, man, what did your pastor preach on? Did he preach on the riches and the goodness and the joy of the Lord? No. He preached on debt. But when you understand this principle, it can produce joy. How many of you believe if we overcome debt, if we learn some principles from God's word about debt, that we can have greater joy in the long run? Amen? We just can. I think we can sleep better at night. I talk to people all the time. They go, man, I can't sleep because i got so much debt. i got so much debt. I bought into the world system, and it's been very powerful. Look at the very top of the box, message truth. We need to pray before we pay. Isn't that a great statement? Let's say it together. We need to pray before we pay. Isn't that great? We need to pray before we pay. But here's what we usually do. We pay, and then we pray. Oh, God, what have I done? Have, have you ever bought something? And then you got home with it only to discover, oh, that was so dumb. And then your folks told you it was dumb. 
or your spouse told you it was dumb, or you just told you looked in the mirror and went, dummy. I mean, how many of you have something shiny? It was, it was the latest thing out there. You had to have it. It's like, you know, I remember when computers got so popular and everybody was buying computers, buying computers, and we buy, buy, buy all the time. And then somebody told me one day, says, yeah, and y'all get so excited about buying your computers, but what you don't know is we're so far ahead, but our market is so much slower. As soon as you get out of the trunk, it's already outdated. That's not very encouraging when you just spent $2,000 on a computer or 600 or whatever brand you're buying. You're like, oh, my goodness. But debt, and it just, it takes us. So let's fill in some blanks and I'll make a lot of comments that maybe will help us through the scriptures today. Living on credit instead of paying cash. Now, that's a very simple statement, and some people go, yeah, man, living on cash instead of credit. I just don't believe it. Well, this is something I don't just preach about. This is something I, and I, I try to live everything that I preach, but I fall short of the glory of God like you. But this is something that God has, has given me some understanding on. doesn't mean I've got it all together, but there's some things that I've been able to avoid, some pitfalls. And here's living, living paying cash, amassing debt. Because if we're not careful, we want to maintain a lifestyle that we really can't afford, and it drives us into the debt corner, and we just get in trouble. And, 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 and I hear this all the time. People come in and go, Pastor, my credit card balance is growing. Sometimes it grows monthly, it grows quarterly, it grows annually. I used to be in debt this much, and now I'm in debt this much. And when you get in debt, it, it, it creates opportunities where you, you can't even give to the things of the Lord like you would like to. Some people will come to my office and go, Pastor, I would love to give. But I have worked my way into a mess, and I find myself not able. I go, man, but start. Trust Christ. Ask God to come in and to deliver. Uh, Proverbs uh, 27.1, don't brag about tomorrow. You don't know what may happen. The principle is we presume on tomorrow that tomorrow will come, that we'll pay off that debt, but tomorrow may never come. So we want to try to build the best margin that we can so we don't get in so trouble. Because I do know this, we, we get sick unexpectedly. Our car, you know, I, I don't understand it. We can send a man to the moon, but we can't build tires that last how many of you would like to buy a set of tires and pay an extra $300, but they would last for the duration of that car? Wouldn't that, wouldn't, that thought just came to me. Isn't that novel? Would somebody create that and patent it and copyright it to Christ Community Church? I mean, that would be awesome. But you know what I found out about tires? They get out of alignment. They wear out. They get slick. You don't want your family in them because they would be unsafe. And you have to go buy another set. Only thing is, I didn't know you were taking out another mortgage when you go out to buy tires now. I, I, I remember when the girls were in school, and I, and I went and got tires one time for Rachel. I remember she was at university and went and bought a set of tires for her little Honda. And I still remember $200 for a set of four radial tires Michelin at Sam's. I went, yahoo! Now, I, I, I was already going, man, I ain't got $200 and spent $200. And now I go, show me the $200 radials that are good. How many of you would buy some $200 radials? Not all four of them. Let me tell you how poor I was. Me and Donna, we were coming up, buried. I, I bought her a little two, we bought a little 210, Datsun 210. It had a four speed. And when it went in fourth, it'd go, and it wanted to shift one more time, but it didn't have another gear. I, I'm serious, four speed. Somebody like, four speed? Man, are you a dinosaur? And one day, Donna, it slid a little bit. It, it got a little heavy on it, and it slid. And it kind of pulled over to the ditch. And I thought, man, that's my baby, you know. And she came home, and she was a little shook up. I said, I've got to get rid of that car. It's too light. 
So I'd been asking a guy, I was working for Caterpillar, I'd been asking him and asking him. He had a 240Z, orange, black interior, wood, teak steering wheel, had 160 miles on the speedometer. I won't tell you how fast I drove it. And, uh, and I just went, wow, this will look good. Two-seater, no kids. And I kept asking, I said, will you sell it to me? He goes, no, no, no. And finally he says, yes, and we bought it. And I remember it needed tires. Now, you got to remember, I, I, I'd spent money to buy this car. I didn't have any money, and I went, and I bought used tires. I remember going buying used tires for my cool car. The idea that now, I'd be like, man, I'd go get me a second job before I put used tires on. But, you know, it's just the way it was, and we drove it, you know. And, and, and then we decided we probably should have kids, and kids don't fit good in a two-seater, and that would be irresponsible, and you get rid of it. Okay, anyway, just wish I had it today because it would be worth a lot of money. But here, here's, here's the bottom line. Uh, I read this. I thought it was interesting. When you have credit cards and you use them extensively, studies show that you spend 23% more money in a store than when you spend cash. Some of you are like, I'll trump that statistic. I think you spend 100% more because I don't have any cash. <laughs> All I know is, hey, uh, Dave Ramsey, and I, mean, I could sit here and talk about a lot of his stuff today, and I'll share some of it because I think the man is a gift to the body of Christ. How many would, would agree? We have done Financial Peace University we actually did a simulcast in the early days with Dave in this room with 200 people that came for an all-day Saturday event. We've had FPU classes. We don't currently have any, but we can definitely get you to one. I, I just The bottom line is we just want to get you to help you financially because we find, I find that marriages, when I'm doing premarital counseling, I tell couples, this is one of the top three things that you're going to fight over if you don't get a handle on it. It's money. And all the church said, I know, isn't that sad? But it's just true. So look at the second one. Delaying payments or paying the minimum due. You know, so many times people get caught up in like, hey, I delay, I don't, I don't want to pay it today. And, but these contracts that we get into with companies, they just, you know, they all require that we pay. And like, uh, if you want to get depressed, I'll just go ahead and help you. Man, I love real estate and housing. I think that's all fun. I enjoy it. But the truth is, in, in the early years of your amortization on your loan, when you buy a house, it's a little scary when you look at it because you've been paying and you're making these payments and your principal is going down like minuscule. You can't even see it. And your interest is like really high. And you're like, well, praise God, it's good for taxes. It is good for that. And then one day you decide to do an assessment of what you own. And you know what I figured out we own? We own a couple of shrubs in the front yard. Now, Jamie, I, I'm not picking on you because you're a very effective, successful real estate agent, and I pray for you, and I'm so proud of you. But isn't that the truth, Joni, uh, Jamie? I mean, it really is. But here's a good thing. You keep paying, and then you, you do some smart things, and one day you get to own the front door. And then you start owning some rooms, you know? And, but here's the thing. Don't, don't, and, but somebody goes, I got equity in my house. I hear it all the time. I got equity, Pastor. I got equity. I'm cashing in. I need a new boat. All right, you know what you own the boat? The life preserver. You know, I, I've never had a boat, but I've had some jet skis, and, and man, they're fun. But they're also like throwing money on the water. I'm just, you know, it's not even a joke. It's just the truth. All right, here we go. Third, you know what? When we don't have margin and we're all consumed with debt, we're unable to tithe or save. How many times people just come to me and go, man, I want to tithe, I want to tithe. And I go, well, start then. Trust Christ. I can't, I can't, I can't. But he can and trust him. Today, I hope, out of this message, I hope somebody will begin to choose that I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and his principles and his word from Genesis to Revelation, and I want to start tithing, I want to start giving. So I've always given this to people, and I, 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 and I believe this, and I think it works. 10, 10, 80. Just write down 10, 10, 80. It's so simple. 10%. I bring 10%. Of, I bring my tithe into the storehouse of the Lord. I give to the Lord 10%. 10. Everybody can do that math. 10%. 
a, tr- a purpose to stick away, save 10% for those things that which might come or, or I want to do something. And then 80, I choose to live on the 80% that God's entrusted to me and I ask you, God, to give me wisdom and guidance. 10, 10, 80. If married couples start now to do the 10, 10, 80, it's amazing what will happen to them over their life. And if they don't do the 10, 10, 80, then you, you don't run the numbers, you just get in trouble. Fourth, look at it, unable to pay taxes. I talk to people sometimes, they go, Pastor, I've got so much debt, I'm behind on taxes, and I'm rolling my taxes, and I've got taxes from five years ago, six years ago, ten years ago. What do I do, what do I do, what do I do? Well, here's what the Scripture says. Render under Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. Amen? And some people go, well, I, I, I just want I, I to declare bankruptcy. i got to tell you, if you come to me for counseling, I go, don't. Now, I know there's rules, and there's laws, and you can, and there's maybe some ways you can do that, but at the end of the day, you want to pay back the people that which you have borrowed, and you've entrusted their services. And the church of the living Christ said, it's a great witness, because I, I've been living in Montgomery all my life, and I run into people that have, uh, have, have run up debt on you, your company, your business, all those kinds of things, and then they declare bankruptcy, and they go, hey, forget it. You didn't need a new car. You, you didn't want to send your kid to college. Your kid's got crooked teeth. Sorry. I, I didn't want to pay it. I mean, we just, we just want to be responsible. And, and that's the thing about paying our taxes. I, I know we, nobody gets excited about paying taxes. Matthew 22, 21. Oh, it's already up there. That's awesome. Wow, give to Caesar. What is, I already said that. Okay, let's keep going. Fifth, extravagant spending. Man, isn't this a fun one, extravagant spending? How many of you enjoy extravagant spending? Some of you are like, yeah, I got to buy groceries. Extravagant spending. But then sometimes we will have extravagant spending and... Uh, the, the, the only thing is, we, we just want to be careful, and, and I'm not saying that we don't, we don't do things, we can't, can't have things, I certainly have things, you have things, that's awesome. But the, the, the thing is, though, it, it's, it's amazing how much the shine doesn't last. You know, people buy new cars all the time, you know, oh man, new car, new car. And, and then it rains, like, oh man, car got dirty. Or then your kids get in there and eat french fries and grind it in the carpet, it looks great, you know. Or you wreck it, or, or you go, here, here's the one you really like. We've had one new car in our entire life. We've always bought used ones because they depreciate, and it's just Larry Burkett taught us this. But one time we bought this car, the way it worked out, I thought it was pretty good. So we bought it. It was brand new. Never had a brand new. Had to rip the plastic off the seat. and it, I say smell the leather, but it was fake. It wasn't leather. Anyway, smell, smell whatever that stuff was. And it was fun. And I remember Donna came home. She goes, oh, baby, baby, guess what? I said, what? She goes, you're not going to believe. I got a dent in the car. I said, yeah. She goes, weirdest thing. I said, what? She goes, there was this buggy, and it came out of nowhere, and it <laughs> and hit our car. So you know what I learned? Don't park next to buggies. They'll tear your car. Somebody just went, oh, man, I wish I'd have known that lesson. I'm writing that down. That's the only thing I heard today. Don't park next to buggies. Okay. I remember one day I was over here at Walmart at the Supercenter, and I promise you, a demon showed up. I'm sitting in the car, and all of a sudden this wind came up, and buggies just started leaving the place, and they were circling around the parking lot. And I, like, I was out of there, and I went, thank you, Jesus. I didn't want to go home and say, Donna, guess what? Three buggies hit me today. Yeah, anyway, anyway. That's crazy, isn't it? Proverbs 22, 7, we talked about verse, key, key verse. Here, I just want you to write about 22, 7. I want you to write, debt just enslaves us. It just enslaves me to a new master. And that master's not Jesus, and God wants something else for us. But I, I, I thought of two words. Matter of fact, this came to me too late, or I could have given you a two-word outline. You went, oh, praise God. We'll pray for you next week get a two-word outline. Here was the word, enslaved. Debt enslaves, but yet God wants us to experience him. Debt enslaves us, but Christ wants us to experience him by following good, sound, biblical, financial principles. If you've ever heard Dave Ramsey before, he always talks about 
gazelle, gazelle, get gazelle intense, attack your debt. The cheetah, the cheetah goes after the what? The gazelle to eat it. And, when, and whenever the gazelle sees the cheetah, man, he freaks out, doesn't he? And so he gets gazelle intensity. And Dave does a marvelous job. I, I just encourage you to read some of his materials, attend a course or something that somehow we can break out of this debt cycle. I, I could go about this a lot, but I want to I keep moving on because I think you know what I'm trying to say here today. But uh, I love what Dave said one time. He says, get out of debt. People say, but debt is just a normal part of life. Wrong. Normal in North America is just another way to say broke. Matter of fact, I look like Dave Rams. I have people, I, I was in Moe's one day, and I, and I walked through there, and I, this lady was staring at me. It was a little bit uncomfortable, and I said, Don, that lady's staring at me. She goes, I know, whatever, you know. I'm thinking, if I got something on my mouth, because I'm a threat to have cheese dip or something on me, you know. She goes, no, and the lady comes over, and, and she said, she goes, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, are you Dave Ramsey? I said, no, but I wished I was. I wished I had his money. I said, no, but I, I love Dave, and we, we believe in what Dave teaches. She goes, oh, okay, but we've been sitting here as a family. We've been thinking Dave Ramsey came to Montgomery to eat at Moe's. No, it wasn't me. Look, look at that profile now. See, I done messed you up. You're thinking, Dave, man, he does look like Dave. Just wish I had Dave's wisdom, okay? Here we go. Uh, let, let me keep moving because I, I, I can tell you so many things. And he, here's one. I've said it, and I feel like sometimes I'm like, man, I've said, said this, but then other people are like, I've never heard it. And the day they hear it or they've heard it for the first time. One of the things that Dave teaches, and, and I believe this is start a debt snowball fund. Can you just write it in your notes? Start a debt snowball fund. It starts, you ever built a snowball? How does it start? It starts real big, doesn't it? No, it's a little bit of thing. You just, you just kind of roll it up, and you roll it up, and you roll it up. And in Montgomery, it lasts about five minutes, and it's over because we have so much snow in Montgomery. But if you go to cities that actually have snow, you can build big snowmen, and you can build them here. It just usually takes a while. They just don't last. But that's what happens with debt. And I remember one time Dave was teaching, like, well, how, uh, what debt do you attack? Of course you attack the debt that's got the biggest interest rate and the biggest debt. Well, no. And, and I remember when Dave said this. I said, man, this makes so much sense. He says, you get the smallest debt you've got, and you start working to pay off that, and you snowball it, and you pay off that debt. Then you go to the second largest debt you've got, and then to the third. And what happens is you gain victories along the way, and when you have some victories, you begin to see God, how God's Word works, and eventually you get out of debt. Isn't that a great principle? I'm so glad that he taught that years ago. And he's been teaching it to thousands, millions of people across the country. And if we'll listen, we're like, Dave, thank you for your insight into that. Because here, here's what I know about money. Bills always come. Don't you wish we'd have a jubilee next year? I wish President Trump would go. I'm declaring jubilee over America. All debts are canceled. I promise you, he would get a second term. I mean, can you imagine if, 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 we, if we get to the end of his term and it goes, jubilee, all debt is gone. Wow, I know, wow, isn't that awesome? It ain't going to happen. But it's just good to think about it. But we, some of y'all got so excited when I said that. Some of you are like, Dad, Gummin, I'm, going to, I'm charging big today. I'm getting a new car this week. Pastor said at the end of this term, Jubilee. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, stop borrowing so much. Resist the temptation to spend beyond your means. That's the thing. You, you want to have margin. You don't want to spend so far beyond your means. And you want to say, God, help me, help me to do that. And then, so in that process, you have to have uh, discipline and character. President Calvin Coolidge said this one time, there's no dignity quite so impressive, 
Let me say it again. I like I murdered that. There is no dignity quite so impressive and no independence quite so important as living within your means. And the church said, I think you believe it. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we, I sure like what Joe has and like what Bill has and Susie has and Kathy has. And uh, you know, I, I want to have that. Man, look at them. They, that bum, they ride around that new truck. Man, I'd look good in a new truck. Look at that. that. That truck trumps my car. It just walks right over. They keep going, you know? Anyway, God help us. Here it is. Just write down a principle here. Set a workable budget. I, I talk about this a lot. I, every couple I do premarital counseling, I go, you've got homework. And they look at me like, homework? I go, yeah, I want you to go home and work out a budget together as a couple. And I want you to come back and I want you all to begin to have discussions, if you haven't already, about financial peace and about having finances intact in, in, in order. And I find that everybody needs a budget. Our church has a budget this afternoon. Would y'all pray? Would you write down, pray for the elders this afternoon? We're meeting this afternoon about many things. One of those things is the church budget for the new year. We need the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? Wait a minute. Amen? Amen. Now, as a couple, as a single, as a young person, you need a budget. You need to label your dollars and where they go and understand. I know this is so simplistic. And to me, this just makes so much sense. And others are like, man, I never even thought about it like that. I just... I just spend, and then I spend my dad's, and then I spend my mom's, and then I got a grandmama, and like, gosh, she's awesome, man. And she didn't even know I spend her money, too. Well, God wants to give us a plan here. And we, in, in that spending, we begin to critically evaluate. Have you ever evaluated your budget before? And you had to cut out something? It's not very fun, is it? But if we're serious about getting out of debt, sometimes we have to do that. We go, God, I want to make good decisions. And, and then I, I just got to say this, if I'm talking about financial peace and about getting out of debt, and, and I talk to people about this all the time, and people, they go, oh, pastor, you're right. And other people are like, I don't know. Create an emergency fund. Walk out of here today saying, I will purpose to build an emergency fund according to the grace of, the, of Jesus and according to what he provides. I will build for a rainy day because I know a storm. I know a rainy day. It doesn't mean that you can get enough money to take care of every emergency, but at least there will be some emergencies. How many of you, raise your hand if you've had an emergency in the last six months? I mean, everybody raise your hand if you had some kind of financial setback in the last six months. Almost everybody. The rest of them, I don't know what they were thinking. I want to live with y'all, okay? I mean, stuff just tears up. I mean, washing machines tear up, tires, you have to buy tires, you have to go do this, somebody gets sick. I mean, de- and, and the other day I was talking to somebody like their dog. I, wa- I was watching this thing, and, and, and oh, I don't know what HGTV, we're HGTV freaks at our house. We just love that. And we were watching it, and there was this lady, and she was talking about she'd spent $20,000 on her dog. I just got to tell you, I got to have a new dog. And don't write me a letter. I mean, I like pets, but I don't like them $20,000. And, and like one person was talking about, well, my dog, I didn't like its smile, so we need to have a plastic surgery for my dog. It was a boxer. It, it was never going to be pretty, okay? I mean, it's just the way they're made. I, I know, Kevin, y'all got one, and I, your, your dog's so cute, but it really ain't, it's really not cute, okay? But it, it's Kevin's dog? He's your, oh, April, I'm sorry, it's your dog. It's a beautiful dog. Put a, put a, put a ribbon on it. Okay, here we go. All right. Now, let me tell you this. I know you're not going to believe this. It's not a sin to borrow. You're like, man, that's the best thing you've said all day. But it's a sin to be foolish and not to have priority living and to put Christ first in your finances and to do the things the way God wants us to do it. And when we violate his principles, his commandments, then, then we sin and we fall short. But we could borrow money. I mean, almost everybody I know borrows money on a house. I mean, if you don't, that's awesome. You, you're wealthy or you have wealthy 
you know, inheritance or whatever. I mean, that's cool, but most people borrow money on things and you borrow money on others. But when you just get so far beyond, you get in trouble. So, uh, and, and the Bible, you know, talks about being wise in how we live out our lives. This whole series in Proverbs has been about wise living. I think next weekend I'll cover about our speech, about having wise speech that honors Christ. Today it's just about wise spending habits. Uh, the, the Bible doesn't say God will bail you out of debt. Now listen, I know the verse, Philippians 4. My God shall supply, shall meet every need that you have according to his great riches in Christ. The key word is what? Need. But here's what I want it to say. And my God shall supply all my wants according to his great and glorious riches in Christ. And then I go, God, I'm going to the bank on it. God, you owe me. God doesn't owe you anything. And I tell you what, I sure feel like God has been good to me. How, how many of you, if God's been good to you, turn to the person next to you and tell, tell them how good God's been to you. Just tell them how good he's been to you. Isn't that good? Come on, let's have a little testimony. I'm just trying to tell you, man, I'm, God's good. I got a car. I drove to church this morning. I had gas. I got to eat food today. Hey, I got to put on a shirt. I'm so glad you put on a shirt. Hey, I got to brush my teeth before I came. I had teeth to brush. Hey, I had a church to come to. I, I, you, you could just start enumerating the blessings of God and go, man, God's good. And then you're saying, man, I got a house. Man, isn't that awesome? Hey, I got tires. They're slick, but they're tires. You know, it's a car. I mean, you just, you know, just be thankful. And then uh, debt, though, uh, man, it just, it, it just, it wears on our faith. Uh, now, listen to this. Uh, I got so much stuff in here. I'm just trying to think man god you, you got to help me you know what the great thing is about i gave you so little bit in the outline i can give you as much or as little and some of you said praise god we're going to lunch early today okay i want you to write this down though it is wrong not to repay your debts when you borrow work hard as unto the lord and pay your debts i want you to write down the verse psalm 37 verse 21 it says, the wicked borrow and do not repay. It's sad. It's wrong. It's sinful when we borrow from another and we don't pay them back. So we, we need to say, hey, you know, this is called wickedness and, I, uh, you know, I, I want to do the right thing. And then here, here's another one I want you to write down this principle. It's foolish to put yourself in surety, S-U-R-E-T-Y, situation. In other words, I hear this all the time. I, I was somewhere the other day and the guy said, hey, Hey, pastor, would you co-sign for me? I go, I go. He goes, you know, you got that big church over there on Ryan Road. Could you co-sign? And I started laughing. I'm like, you're a fool. And then I walked off. I didn't call him fool because the Bible says don't call people fool. But I thought it in my heart. I just want to go ahead and tell you. Don't co-sign. Hey, go ahead and give it to them. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you give them a loan. Maybe you put it over here and they pay back. But you, I'm just telling you, in this room, there are people right now, if I start asking you to come up here and tell me about when you co-sign for somebody and how it bit you, you'd go, oh, my goodness, I should have never done it. And Scripture just teaches us not to do that, that it's, it's not prudent, it's not healthy. Uh, matter of fact, the, um, uh, here, look at it, 22. Now, that's not the verse I wanted, but that's a good one. 22.7, I already told you that one. That, that's a great one. Here it is. Look at 27. Turn over to 27, verse 13. Proverbs 27, 13. Get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it for foreigners. And all through the scripture, it just it talks to us about the about co-signing and about um, 
putting up security for another. And, and a lot of times when people co-sign, the, the person gets uh, mixed up with them, and it affects their relationship. It, it drives wedges. It, it drives tension. So it's just not wise to be the person that takes responsibility for other people's debt. How many of you found out that taking care of your own debt is tough enough? You're like, well, man. And if you, if you don't, hey, call Tim this week. Tim is our church treasurer. He would love for you to co-sign anything you want to for the church. No, he wouldn't because we don't want to violate a scriptural principle. But it would be nice to have some people on the line there if you wanted to. Proverbs eleven fifteen. He Listen, write down Proverbs eleven fifteen. He who puts up security for another will surely suffer. But whoever refuses to strike hands and pledge is safe. How many want to live a safe life? I want to live a life of adventure with Christ, but I want to live a wise life. So I, I just thought this morning that was a good principle that might encourage somebody in their walk with Jesus. Here's a thought I want you to write down. This is good. Debt puts someone other than God in the position of being our master. Jesus Christ, the, the word in the Greek, it says Jesus is Lord. The, the word Lord is the word kurios. And kurios means master. And the last time I checked, there's only one Lord, there's only one king, there's only one chief, and his name is Jesus. And he wants to be the master of our soul, the master of our life. But if we're not careful and we buy into all this worldly system, we'll put debt in the role, in, in the chair, in the position of king, as ruler, as master. And debt, man, debt loves to sit in that chair. But debt just robs us of the joy. It robs us of the opportunity to be able to give and expand the kingdom of Christ and do the things that, that God so wants to do. So I was just thinking, debt, if I'm not careful, it undermines my Christian witness. If I get into debt where I can't tithe and I can't give and I can't do special things, then I'm missing the blessing that God has for me and that he has for others. And this church has been built by the faithfulness of so many that you've given to Christ. You've put Christ first. You've put Christ foremost. You've believed in the cause of the kingdom. You've believed in something beyond yourself. And you said, Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen? That's, that's what building the, the church, that's what building disciples is about, that Christ takes superior position. And we give God a chance to provide and to work. And then I'll just give you this last section. I'm going to do this quickly. Uh, I gave you all these other verses in, in, in the bottom. You can just look at them. They, they talk about debt and loans and repay and money, that kind of thing. But Romans 13, 8, listen to what Scripture says. Don't run up debts in the message. It says, don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe each other. God just wants us that that's what we owe. We owe love for one another. You know, the distinguishing mark of a disciple is what? How we love. And that's what Christ wants us to owe. He wants us to owe our love to others and that we love. And we'll never outgive God. We'll never outlove God. But God, I trust you. Lord, I look to you. I believe you because the, the thing that I've learned is debt just creates pressure. And I talk to people all the time and ask them, how are you doing? They go, man, I am so stressed out. I'm under so much pressure. I understand. I understand. Our church has a debt. <clears throat> Not a lot of debt for the equity we have in this place, but we have debt in the facility next door. And I got to tell you, it causes a lot of challenges. I know what I'm talking about because as a leader I get to deal with it every day and I go God could you move on your church that we could eliminate the debt and could give more to missions 
How many would love that? We'd have more ministry partners and more ministry here. But right now, we promised a bank in good faith that we would repay them. And by the grace of Christ, we will do that. You're like, man, you're being kind of raw there, Pastor. Let's go to lunch. Could you buy it? Okay. I don't know. Has anybody been encouraged today? I know this is a tough subject, man. You're like, man, dead. Are you going to talk about the joy of Jesus next weekend? Please, please. I'm going to talk about our mouths and our speech. That ought to be fun. I can't wait. Man, I got so many examples out of that. It's unreal. I know how to blow it with the best of them. Hey, if, if you know how to blow it with your speech, would you stand up right now? No, no. I mean, I mean, hey, hey, does anybody have trouble with their speech but me? Just thank you, Robert. I, I, feel, I feel the love. The Bible says you owe one another love. And Robert threw me under the bus, but I know how much he loves me. I know how much you love me. I, I love you, brother. Okay. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I could, I could keep going. Man, I got so much stuff here. Uh, we'll do part two next weekend. No, we're not. No, we're not. Here, here's what I want you to do. Here, here's my parting thought, and we've got a great song. Team, y'all come into place. The light of Christ brings freedom. The light of God's word brings freedom to our soul. And that's the whole reason I chose this topic, that somehow we might learn more about what God's word says and teaches, and we would apply it to our life, and the result would be freedom in Christ. Freedom to give, freedom to spend, freedom to serve, and freedom to love. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are an amazing Christ, a Savior, a Redeemer. And we're grateful for your presence and for your love. And Lord, I pray that today people would not walk out of here condemned, but possibly convicted by the Spirit of Christ. And in that conviction, may you bring change to our hearts and to our lives that reflect and glorify your name and your eternal kingdom. We thank you for the communion table. We thank you for the mercy of Jesus. And we thank you that our sins have been paid for by the blood of Christ. Today, Lord, may one call upon Jesus to be their Savior to be their Lord, to be their master. Jesus, you are supreme. Thank you for your love.